0: Welcome to Eye on the Illini in the never stop, never ending, never a uh, lack of headlines. We've got another special edition of Eye on the Illini. This is Illini guy Mike Kegley. I'm here with our Illini guy staff writer Matt Stevens and of course you may have heard the Illini's head coach Brett Bielema has gotten a new, a, a new deal, a six-year deal, And we're going to talk to Matt a little bit about what has been shared. And we will say as a caveat to Matt that um, there'll be a later date when this becomes more public that we can maybe give you more details. But that's not until mid to late January. So we just wanted to at least give you what information has been released and a little bit of talk about what this will mean to Illini efforts in both recruiting and on the field. So Matt, why don't you give us a little bit of a description of what uh coach has signed as, as it looks and as it has been told to us today.
1: Yeah, we are all a Porsche with no breaks right now, Mike, in terms of news <laughs> content coming out of Champaign-Urbana. Um, the idea being uh, yeah, January 23rd is the next board of trustees meeting uh, with the U of I system. That will be when me, Matt Stevens, FOIA requests the University of Illinois this actual contract after it gets approved at that BOT meeting. Um, the reason that you FOIA that document is, as of right now, we're and we're doing this on December 20th at 9 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time, God's time, <laughs> um, that uh, we do not know buyout structure. We do not know salary structure. We do not know incentives. We do not know any of those things. Um, and we might not even know a lot of those. Th- not I won't say a lot, but some of those things, even after I submit a FOIA request, which if you're not familiar with what FOIA stands for, Freedom of Information Act, which means Illinois is a public institution, which means once this contract is agreed upon, usually a lot of it is actually in the agenda of the meeting, which is kind of nice and interesting. Um, but some of the other things like a salary structure, like the incentives, like the buyout payment not only by, you know, Illinois, if they want to fire Brett Bielema, you know, at any point, um, or what Brett Bielema has to pay the university in order to go work somewhere else. Um, That's part of it as well. And so um, we don't know any of those things right now. Everything that we know based off that is based off of Brad's old contract that he signed in December of 2021, which was um, we now, which we now know, at least now is, uh, you know, not i won't say old but it's it's going to be old come 2023 because his salary at least increased by i think 1.8 million dollars um uh 1.5 million dollars something along those lines um yeah according to the university release it's a 6 year deal and okay. um they're going to publicize it's a 6 year deal that that ends in 2028 i think that's the guarantee of what brett is There Now, there are things that I have tweeted out that are one of the things, again, once I foyer this, I'll understand what the parameters of some of this is. Not to get too confusing for everybody, but there are four instances of an automatic one-year renewal. Now, I don't know what triggers that one-year renewal, but... If it's anything short of Brett Bielema being able to stand up, breathe and walk and talk at the same time, like I would be shocked. It's very much similar to the $500,000 retention bonus that he gets, which for everybody that needs to understand that as long as Brett Bielema on January 2nd is employed of the at the University of Illinois, guess what? He gets $500,000 in his bank account. That's a really awesome day for the Bielema family because um, all you have to do is exist and you get a half a million dollars. What I have done always is that I have added that to the to the salary because, again, if you are employed there, you get the money. So guess what? That's going to be part of your salary. I did it with Ryan Walters' deal too, and everybody thought I was a half a million dollars over from what I or I'm sorry, a hundred thousand dollars over from. Where I where I where Ryan should have been, and by the time the contract was over, five hundred thousand dollars over, and I said no. As long as Ryan's walking and talking and breathing and employed at the U of I, he gets that money. So guess what? I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna put it in his deal. Um. So there's a lot of things that we still have to figure out about this contract. Um. And because there's four automatic one year renewals that I don't know what the what triggers it and what doesn't. Um. Right now I'm kind of like the Denzel Washington character in Philadelphia, where like you know, explain to me like I'm a five-year-old why this is not a 10-year deal. Right. And part of this honestly is if we're going to get down to the nuts and bolts of this is from a PR standpoint is I don't really think a whole lot of schools want to announce a 10-year deal after what happened with James Franklin and and Mel Tucker. So I don't think that's (laughs) a great PR move. So it's a great PR move to say it's a six-year deal with four one-year automatic renewals. Like, and you know, so for a while, nobody's going to know what those automatic renewal kick-ins are. Um, but if that were to happen, Brett Bielema would be, I guess, under some form of contract to be at Illinois until he's 62. Um, and so from that standpoint, I think, uh, um, I think that Brett got the security that he wanted and he's been very, very open and honest. And you've heard our interviews, one interview of interviews here on um, about when he's asked about contract situations. And I mean, as off-putting as this sounds, and I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing Brett Bielema and he, in his explanation to us, the media, guys, as off-putting as this is going to sound, I'm already rich. And I tell that to all of my assistants, right? My goal now is to try to make you as comfortable and as rich as I possibly can. Um, I'm already going to be rich and I'm going to continue to be rich. And this doesn't change any of that today. Um, Brett Bielema just got richer and, uh, I'm not saying it's not deserved, but you know, he would be the first one to tell you that I think he was doing okay in Champaign-Urbana at four and a half million. Like, you know, being at Champaign-Urbana at 6 million now a year is, is, um, today didn't change the fact that Brett Arnold Bielema is the highest paid state employee, you know, in the state of Illinois. Like it didn't change that today. Um, but there's a lot of things to this. I think it, um, you know, unfortunately we kind of Mike in 2022, getting to 2023 we kind of live in an era now where i think this 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 calms a fan base a little bit more than i think even maybe i think it ought to um because as i as i said on on local radio in champagne a couple of days ago um you know hugh free signed an eight-year contract at liberty and then two months later became the auburn head coach like uh, if, if you want to get out of a deal you can get out of a deal trust me um so I think it appeases a fan base maybe more than it should. But I also think it it shows commitment from an AD. And I think it shows a commitment from a university structure. And quite honestly, it shows that that Brett Bielema and Josh Whitman and and Robert Jones and the board of trustees can sit down and go, yeah, this is pretty reasonable. We should probably keep Brett Bielema as long as we can. And everybody's on the same page here. And from what I was told months ago, and I think I reported this like when we were talking about the Walters thing, Okay. Um, the U of I really didn't think that this was a, uh, um, a high priority event. Um, and they didn't treat it as such, to be honest. And I think that scared a lot of people, but it really shouldn't have, because I think they kind of knew this day was coming. And I also don't think that it's, um, it's for lacking of PR that this happened the day before the start of early signing period, the following morning. Um, I don't think that that's, that's an accident either. um, I, Illinois tends to announce things on in an, in an intent way. Um, I wouldn't suggest that that was done intentionally, but I also wouldn't suggest that it was done randomly either. So um, it kind of secures Brett Bielema's future for a while um, as long as he wants to be here. And it secures uh, Illinois' future for a while again, as long as Brett Bielema wants to be here because of of what he's been able to produce in 2022 and what they hope even in what will be a 16-team Big Ten here pretty soon, that what Brett Bielema can continue to produce throughout the course of this deal.
0: Well, and it's an interesting uh, thing because historically the U of I has done a poor job of of keeping good coaches. For example, you know, Ron Gunther would break his arm patting himself on the back that um, Bill Self always finished higher in the Big Ten rankings than what he was ranked in terms of how much he was paid, which opened the door for Kansas. You know, if you'd have paid Bill Self appropriately, Kansas might have been able to hire him away, but they'd have had to write a precipitously larger check, and maybe they would have hesitated, or maybe Bill Self would have felt appreciated enough that he went to U of I and say, hey, first refusal here, can you match it? Instead, didn't happen. Um, Ron Zook, who who again, people who know me know that I haven't been particularly a huge Ron Zook fan. But the only thing that he brought to the table was the ability to recruit. And when they stopped giving him four years, the first thing that opposing coaches said is he doesn't have a deal for four years, Mr. Uh, you know, high school player. He won't be here for your full years. Do you really want to have a new coach come and have to play for a guy who didn't want you and they effectively neutered the one thing he did well by yes, by recruiting by not extending him. Um, and and thankfully, with under the regime of Josh Whitman, they keep um extensions going for Brad Underwood and Brett Bielma. And mark my words, and if you talk to if you listen to Ked's recruiting roundup. These head coaches are unbelievably um, on the, you know, it's their, it's their bacon that's going to go into the fire if they can't close student athletes. Sure. And so you have to give them everything you can. And part of that is the perception of job security and that they're valued. Sure. You know, if you have a coach who's making $1 million a year when the market's, you know, $7 million, then... People go, well, how long is he going to stay here? Or how much, how good can he really be? So I think this is a very important thing. And on signing day, I'm not saying it's going to flip anybody or anything like that, no, 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 but it certainly is a big deal that, that when you're, if you think about a family who is, you know, entrusting their son to coach B and they like him, that's got to make them feel good that he's there. And we'll talk about this a little later on. But if you're, let's say, a transfer quarterback and you're trying to make a decision, it, this won't this won't put you know maybe put you into the I'm going to Illinois column. But it certainly is a plus on the reasons why you would go to Illinois.
1: Yeah, and again, I, I, I will, I'm not trying to play devil's advocate here, but I'm also pointing out to everybody, I will have a better understanding when I get the buyout numbers. And when I get the salary structure as to whether or not from a logic standpoint, this means Brett Bielema is going to be basically out of the market for pretty much everybody else comparable. Um, And I think, look, there's a school in Iowa City that he has he has a Hawkeye tattoo on his right calf. Okay, like I mean, like there's a school out there where everybody's like, boy, I wish that rumor would stop. Right. And so one, I would tell you, Kirk Ferentz has to retire first. God knows when that's going to happen because I don't, and two, um, I don't think it just has to be Iowa, right? And so um, I think Brett Bielema has proven before that he will investigate everything that's best for his career, just like he expects his guys to in, to investigate everything that will be best for you know their career um, as assistants. Um, what what I think this does is that it, it, it lets Brett Bielema understand. Hey, these guys are serious about what they want to do from a you know uh, resource standpoint, and, I, and that's important when it comes to Illinois football, right? And and because that that hasn't happened all the time, and for two reasons: one, either a like you've said with Ron Gunther, they've kind of refused to do it, or b they really didn't know how to do it, like in a way that makes sense in the modern economy, right? And so. I think that those are two things that I think Josh Whitman has done a pretty good job of understanding where the market is and how Illinois fits in the market. And right now, I think he has a good understanding of, um, you know, where Illinois fits in the market of a potential 16 team Big Ten that that that's going to include two schools in the largest city in America, Los Angeles, California. Right. And so, um, you know, again, it's not my money and I never really understand why people get so bent out of shape about this um, because it's not your money either. Um, but they just, they did just sign Brett Bielema in my understanding. And again, I'll know on January 23rd or a little bit after that, like what the salary structure is, but I find it hard to believe that, you know, Brett Bielema is going to be making more by the end of this contract than say, Luke Fickle is going to make it Wisconsin on the deal that he just signed or that Matt rule just signed at by the end of his deal that he signed in Nebraska. So, um, if you want to play that game, that's fine. I tend to think that on Saturdays in the fall fans don't really care what their coaches paid compared to the other guy on the sideline. They just kind they of, they don't, unless
0: it. they don't, unless they lose too much.
1: Right. And then, and then they care a lot. Right. Yeah. And so, um, but that it's not, that that's not a tipping point on the scoreboard. You don't get extra points if you're Illinois, because we got our coach on a bargain, right? Like it's still zero, zero once we together, Right. So from that standpoint, I think Illinois did a really good job in terms of business management, but I also think they that Josh Whitman's done a pretty decent job. And I think he's been proving this of people management. And um, you know, Illinois made it very, very clear: hey, if Ryan Walters wants to become a head coach, we're not going to stop him from being a head coach. And we're not going to try and keep him from being a head coach. And that also means we're not going to try to hold Ryan Walters' feet to the fire with a potential defensive coordinator contract that's going to Price him out of being a head coach like that doesn't do Ryan any good um, so like they were pretty adamant hey Ryan we're gonna make sure you're comfortable as our defensive coordinator if that's what you want to be but turns out Purdue wanted to triple his salary and more power to him right and so that money you know was is not going to go to someplace else it's gonna it was gonna go to Ryan Walters but this this is a again where I was I was being told look Brett's gonna get an increase He's going to get a really nice hefty contract. I do believe I don't, I'd have to go back and look, but I, I mean, hard to may, maybe hard to believe. I think this is the most that only ever played for a football coach. Um, I it would hard to believe that it wouldn't be, um, as prices don't go down, like haven't gone down lately. Right. Well,
0: Tim Beckman got a huge, uh, lasagna bonus that that would have been in the millions.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah I'll have to talk to his wife about like what <laughs> happened there on Fridays. Um, but no, like uh, you know, um, I mean, like I don't think Tim Beckman got you know a uh, you know, bon- I don't I don't think he had like a like a contractor like with the tobacco that he was using on the sideline either. The chewing tobacco he was using on the sideline either. Um, but I, I think that I think this is the most Illinois I've ever paid for a coach. So you know, they're not you only can claim, Hey, we're, we're in the marketplace the way we need to be. And the way I usually like, kind of like to structure, like the way I've thought about this on my drive to Champagne and from Champagne on Tuesday, like Mike is um, it's kind of like what Purdue did for Jeff Brom, right? Like, look, we know this is a really expensive deal. This is the most we've ever paid for a football coach, but like this is what the economy tells us. And I think that we're going to be fine because this guy knows how to run our football program in a very, very, uh, efficient way. And I think in over two years, Brett Bielema has proven to Illinois executive University of Illinois management, I would say Josh Whitman, Robert, Robert Jones, the chancellor and all of the people in the BOT and all of the people in the athletic department. Um, hey, I know how to run this football program in a very efficient way. And he's kind of proven that. So this is what you get when you prove that kind of stuff. Brad Underwood got the same thing. And now Brett Bielema was getting the same kind of treatment as well.
0: Yeah. And, and I think that's the way it should be. I mean, obviously you, you don't want to get too far ahead of your skis if you're in Illinois, but you know, if he, if he returns us to the eighties, that gives you plenty of wiggle room to give him yet another raise. Um, and, and, you know, you just want to make sure that he is, uh, incented to stay. And, um, you know, I heard a rumor that if, that if, uh, uh, he goes to Iowa, he needs to get a tattoo of chief Illini Wick on his forehead. So hopefully that'll keep him away from doing that. Um, I, I, like I said, I think, I think, you know, ultimately it's an interesting thing and I haven't had a chance to sit down with him one-on-one for, uh, geez, probably close to nine months now or so, but, um, One of the questions I would love to ask him is, does it feel different to build it yourself? Which make no mistake, there were some Lovey Smith athletes here, but Brett Bielama and his staff, yeah, and there still are, and but Brett Bielema and his staff have coached them up and provided Mm -hmm. them the opportunities to excel that they were not getting under the past staff you know, again, but you got to give Lovey credit for the eye, not as much for developing players. Mm-hmm. So um, make no mistake, Brett Bielma has built this on his own. And how does that compare to taking over a juggernaut like he did at Wisconsin? Neither of them is easy. That's the part that fans don't understand because yeah. if you take over after a legend, um, as you well know, most people who follow a legend end up, you know, with a with their uh, uh, skin on the floor in front of the
1: fireplace. You know, yeah, they, they did... they're they're packing up cardboard boxes out of their office here pretty yes. soon. Yes, was, and Brett Bielema,
0: Brett Bielema Brett took over after a legend and had no problems. So right there, that puts you in some some rare air. But here, he took. Let's be honest with you, a dumpster fire, mm-hmm. and in two years has him playing on January second. Matt, you could have told me that that, you know, we would bet, and I only have to bet a dollar, and you would give me $250. I don't know that I would have taken that bet two years ago. Right. And so like I said, my question to Brett Bielma is would be, hey, how how is it different? Because um both are hard tasks, but they're markedly. You know, he, he would probably say, well, I just take care of all the details and it's the same job. I wonder if it feels the same. And I wonder at the end of the day, when he talks to his wife, does he describe it the same way? Don't
1: know. I don't don't think so. I think, I think there's a level of what he tried to build at Arkansas um, in a different philosophy and it didn't work. Not at least not to their liking. Right. Um, And what he's learned about building and roster management and roster And look, here's the deal, Mike, is that, so he got the first contract, which is the one he signed on on December, 2021. To answer your question, I think that's the contract that Brett Bielan was given to build it. Okay. I, I really do think the expectation in the middle, let's just call it a six year deal. I think it's 10, but let's call it six. Okay. In the middle of this six-year deal, I think Brett Bielema's objective is going to be to maintain. And anybody who would tell you, like, you know, your profession, you were in in the sales world, Mike. I don't care if you're a college football coach, if you're a salesman, if you're an engineer, whatever it is, whatever your product is that you're trying to keep on the market, right? Anybody would tell you, it actually might be a little bit easier to build it than it is to maintain it. And, and. I think there is a point at which Brett Bielen was going to be asked to maintain this. And that becomes almost as I mean, you hear Nick Saban talk about it all the time. Like building Alabama was a lot of fun. I got to go and recruit Julio Jones and AJ McCarron and all of those types of players that I really liked putting in my program. Right. That was fun. Now, when I won my first national championship in 2009, that wasn't a whole lot. It became a lot less fun because now it's, How do I maintain that level of excellence? Right. And there's going to be a point in which Brett Bielan was going to have to maintain that level of excellence. And I think that's going to be an expectation as to part of this deal, which is why I think the more money is necessary because like, we're now asking you to do a different job essentially. Right. And so, um, you know, you're, you're, you're in a different realm now of salary structure because you're in the realm of salary structure of like a Kirk Ferentz where we're asking you to maintain eight, nine wins a year. We're not asking you to just do it now. Like, right. When Kirk took it over um, that last year, I think that they were somewhere in the neighborhood of like two and 10, um, two and nine, something like that. And he had to rebuild it at Iowa. He really did. Trust me. Um, He's now in the point where they have to win eight, nine games a year for Iowa fans to feel like they had a good year. And, That that point will come for Illinois. And I think that that's part of what this what this is about is, you know, I do think that some of those incentives and those those automatic kick ins are going to be a little different than they were before. Right. I take you back to the contract and I don't mean to, like, compare the two men. Trust me, I'm not. But I take back the con. like I remember covering Mississippi State when Ole Miss hired Hugh Freeze and everybody made a huge freaking deal about how every time old Ole Miss won an SEC game and Hugh Freeze won an SEC game, he got $100,000. That was a big deal back in like 2011, 2012, right? Um, that's the kind of incentive packages you get when you're trying to build something from scorched earth, right? right. Um, I think the incentive packages now are going to be, hey, if you win the Big Ten <laughs> – you know, we'll give you that automatic contract. We'll give you an automatic another year of guaranteed money. Right. Um, If you get us to a January one bowl game, Hey, we'll give you an automatic year. Right. And so there's a lot of, by the way, there's a 12 team playoff coming. Like we know that it's coming pretty quick. And it's going to come in the matter of this deal. I would imagine there's an incentive there of, Hey, if Illinois is somehow able to get into the 12 team playoff, this is what Brett Balaam was going to be able to get. And um and all of that is chumped. I want everybody to understand all of what in those incentive packages, that's all chump change because if Illinois makes the 12 team playoff, my God, the athletic department's going to be swimming in money. Like, I mean, yeah. and, and and swimming in the kind of money that they can go out and get those talented players with pay for play money. Right. And again, the, the NIL, NIL collective is is going to be loving that. And it all, it all is a, you know, domino effect, but um this is the D this is this is what makes what I cover and what you cover, Mike Cagley, and what we all do at IlliniGuys.com. This is the closest we'll come to professional sports, in my opinion, because it's about you know where you are in the marketplace of 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 what you're trying to compete in. And it's really again, even with NIL and all the things that we hear about in terms of college recruiting now, this is still the only thing in which you can point to and say hey, we're in the ballgame with such and such a program because we pay our coach this amount of money, right? And so, and we have a salary structure pool that allows him to go out and get assistance, you know, comparable to the programs that we're trying to beat every every Saturday in the fall as well. So, um, hell, there was a, there's, it's it's not a secret that, you know, in 2021, Brett Bielema made more money in annual salary than Jim Harbaugh did. right? Um, so, I mean, there's a, that, that's not the case anymore but like there's there's a case of that you know Illinois being part of you know the the upper tier of the big Ten in terms of what they're willing to you know uh allocate in resources compared to everybody that they're going to play wow. in this in this league and everybody that's coming in this league because trust me there are 14 other schools that are looking at the inclusion of USC and UCLA and going we better get our act together in and, and every way shape and form and this is part of it
0: and and so as you know, so we've got coach B and he's you know, let's let's move aside from that because we look at that as over right. I mean
1: he's locked up for a good long period of time. Let's just be real about it. Let's be adaptable yeah. yeah. And and
0: you know, I mean, look, Josh Whitman's job is to get great results for Illinois athletics and make it as um challenging as possible for other teams to pick us clean. Mm -hmm. And, and I think he's done a pretty good job with both coaches. Doesn't mean that there's not some blue bloods out there that could write a massive check if they so desired. But, you know, I mean, let Illinois get a few more years of wins and Illinois starts to develop into a little more, you know, a little bit more power each year. Um, So now we talk about uh, the quarterback situation As it stands right now, and of course that's where everything has to be. We Devin, you know, Leary, the the older brother of uh uh line eye freshman, is he is now selected um and and decided to go to Kentucky. Um, Illinois fans were hoping that uh he could be influenced to come to Illinois. Didn't happen. Um, you know, you go up against SEC NIL money, you go up against Kentucky, you go up against Auburn. That's a tough battle to win. Um, now, there's a couple of other quarterbacks that Illinois is potentially looking at. Maybe you can give uh, people a thumbnail of each one and kind of your analysis of what each of these guys brings to the table, realizing that we might get one of them. We might get
1: none of them, and we're not getting both of them. So let's start at the beginning. Um, Currently, Illinois has one scholarship quarterback right now, and that is Donovan Leary. Um, As of tomorrow, I think at around 9 a.m., they will have two scholarship quarterbacks when Cal Swanson signs his National Letter of Intent. Um, and scholarship papers, the quarterback from Oklahoma, which is the first signee that Barry Lunny will have as the offensive coordinator at Illinois. Yep. Um, in the 2023 class, uh, so that will be two. Um, you probably need more than that, and you certainly need somebody who probably is going to start next year, seeing as how neither of those young men are probably going to be in, expected to take that role, um, in 2023. So uh, what is Illinois going to do? Um, well, what they're what they have done is last week they brought two quarterbacks on campus. It's my understanding that the first quarterback that came on campus, and I believe it started in the middle of the week, to be honest, was Hudson Card, the quarterback at Texas, who, uh, for lack of a better term, started the year. I think it was in twenty twenty one. Does that sound right? Yes, twenty twenty one. He actually sh- won and started uh the year as the texas starting quarterback three games in steve sarkisian benched him for i think somebody i don't know it was for uh um oh the quarterback that's now at nebraska um casey thompson okay benched him for casey thompson um and then he was ended up being the backup the rest of 2021 because hudson card is from austin texas Um, He decided to stay home and compete with five-star freshman and Ohio State transfer Quinn Evers um, for the starting role at Texas. Uh, Lost that starting job in preseason camp to Quinn Evers. Uh, Quinn Evers was hurt in the first quarter of the second game of the year, a nationally televised game against uh, Alabama in Austin at Dale K. Royal Stadium. Um, And on national television, Hudson Carr came in and, you know, showed a lot of things in that game um the least of which were impressive throws that were you know basically both Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt basically were applauding his effort and not only being you know his competitiveness against you know the number then number one team in the country but also um his ability to just make solid throws against a Nick Saban defense right and and leading them down to where they had a lead going into the last drive and and you know you know Alabama's quarterback Bryce Young showed why he won the Heisman the year before and yeah, and, exactly and stole that one stole that victory in, in in Austin however after that game it was learned that Quinn Evers was going to be out for at least a month and he started three of those four of those games won three of them um and then was benched again for Quinn Evers um so he's kind of been an in and out kind of player at Texas but was a former four-star player um out of Austin Texas uh And has had a lot of loyalty to the UT program. I think if all was, well, all was equal, um, he'd probably like to return to Texas. But I can understand how he doesn't want to have anything to do with what would be a three-headed battle between himself, Quinn Evers, and then, you know, God's gift to quarterbacking in the 2023 class, Archman, um, coming to Austin. Um, It's an interesting culture fit at Illinois because, Mike, you are closer to that area of the country than I am. But it's my understanding that if you're from Austin, Texas, you're really kind of not a Texan. You're not really anything. Um, And culturally, that kind of town kind of allows you to kind of mesh into whatever kind of place that he's locker room and, and place that he's able to kind of go into. And I've actually told from an emotional maturity standpoint, he's way beyond his years um as a player um and then from a leadership standpoint he's way beyond his years as a player and oh by the way he was a four-star elite 11 quarterback for a reason so he can make some throws and i'm not criticizing anybody from austin texas if you allowed me the opportunity i'd live there in a second myself um but that's the first kid that came in um he's going to have a lot of offers i was told cal berkeley is very very interested in him i was told some of the other heavy hitters would be interested in him except they've kind of made some interesting choices in the quarterback market while Hudson cards kind of sat around and waited for, um, you know, the the market to kind of settle itself during this 45 day window IL window. However, Illinois also brought in over the weekend. And I think his visit was over on Sunday night, Luke Altmyer, the backup quarterback at Ole Miss who spent two years as the backup quarterback at Ole Miss. Um, he's kind of the most in, like interesting character ever in my opinion only because i used to cover the egg bowl rivalry when it was dan mullen and hugh freeze and my god you couldn't like you know leave that place without something crazy happening and or the day after i I literally covered a trial where somebody was was uh uh, was being put up for second degree assault with a cowbell the day after the egg bowl um that, that that rivalry got like Hot to the point where I think that even the SEC was like, guys, can you dial it back just even a little bit? Um, what I what why do I mention that? Well, because Luke Altmeyer is from Starkville, Mississippi, he graduated from Starkville High, and guess where he decided to go to school? Old Miss. Oh, by the way, his dad is the or has been for years since 2004 when I was on the beat at Mississippi State. His dad was, has been the orthopedic surgeon for the Mississippi State Athletics, for God knows how. Yeah. Wow. So, so you're talking about somebody who does not really care what fans think about his choice? Like, welcome to Luke Altmyer, who, who basically decided, you know what, I want to go play for Lane Kiffin. And that was the whole idea behind the whole thing at Ole Miss. The problem with that is, is that he started his career as a true freshman, got all the way up to being the backup, but Matt Corral was the starting quarterback at Ole Miss, and he's really, really talented, and that's why he got drafted into the second round of the NFL draft this past year. Then Luke Altmyer was allowed to try to win the starting job this past you know preseason fall camp at Ole Miss, but Lane Kiffin being Lane Kiffin, he brought in Jackson Dart, who used to start at Southern Cal, um and Jackson Dart won the job when that happened um Luke Altmyer was kind of under was under the understanding that he was probably never going to be the the uh starting quarterback at Ole Miss because Jackson Dart still has two years of eligibility left um and that's when you started to understand hey Luke Altmaier is probably going to you know go into the portal and investigate other opportunities because again another four-star kid even out of Starkville High um that that had enough talent to play at a lot of different places and yeah. Nosey has a lot of different talent to play at a lot of different places. Um, you know, again, his, his arguably best moment was in a, you know, backup role where he's coming on the field when Matt Corral is getting helped off the field with a broken leg in the sugar bowl last year against Baylor, one of the best defenses in the country. And he's able to throw for, I think it was almost like 170 yards and get a touchdown, um in a 21 to 7 loss to baylor in the sugar bowl um i think that showed a lot of people a lot of interesting things about an 18 year old two freshmen in that kind of a big of environment um so they 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 are illinois is swimming in the waters of probably two of the better quarterbacks that are in the transfer portal market right now um nationally and yeah they would have loved to have had Laura, Laura Le- Leary and, and Devin and Donovan's dad be able to show up at one stadium this coming fall that again is not going to happen um when that became not a reality I think Illinois pivoted to what what you're seeing now and I think now you've got to start if you're Illinois starting to figure out where you are in the marketplace again for these quarterbacks and and I will say it um You know, I think if you're Illinois and you're Barry Lunny and you're Brett Bielema, and I think that they're very, very savvy in this regard, you do not want to have the music stop and you are without a quarterback during this 45-day period. And um, But I don't know when that quarterback commitment's going to happen, if that quarterback commitment's going to happen, but I do think that Illinois is trying to swim in some pretty big waters after what Tommy DeVito was able to do for them this past season as a transfer portal quarterback. They're in a much better position to make those pitches to these quarterbacks than they were last year when Tommy agreed to come to Champaign.
0: Yep. And so, so like I said, I think it, it's going to be exciting. These are the times that you want to subscribe to Uh That's no the website that, um, you know, really follows this stuff. We take it apart. You have Matt, Brad, and Ked who cover, um, you know, both sports. They know the coaches. They're involved in, you know, trying to hunt down these stories. Um, The great thing is, is you get all the news. And then if you go back into our um, message boards or our forums, that's where um, you can actually see, uh, you know, different threads, talk with other Illini fans, chat back and forth, you know, uh, with your keyboard. And when you get a story or you hear a podcast, you can actually, you know, go back there and say, hey, Matt, what did you mean by this? Or what was said here. And a lot of times there's things we can put on there that, that maybe are more rumors. Um we couldn't do a story on them because you don't have the sources, but you can at least do some rumors and you could kind of see how the sausage is made. Recruiting's a little bit a little bit crazy that way. Um but yeah definitely go and take a look alanaguys.com. I know there's been a lot of inflation over this last year. We're still at the same price we are we were at when we started at ninety nine dollars a year. So um, what a great time to jump on board because you got the football, um, you know, signing day coming up uh, tomorrow, or you might be listening to it today. Um, you also have um, what's happening in terms of um, you know the the transfer portal for football, and we have basketball. Which uh, the last thing we'll finish up today is Zachary Perrin, the Frenchman, uh, is on campus and he will be, um, you know, here to, uh, you know, uh, join the team. Uh, give us a few words. I know we'll probably talk in more detail later in the week with Sturdy, but give us a little bit of detail just to kind of wet the uh, the beaks of Illini fans on Mr. Perrin.
1: First thing we gotta do is figure out how to pronounce his name because I think according to Derek Burson, who's the sid over there, according to Brad Underwood, according to some of his teammates, he's told people like there's four or five different ways to pronounce his last name: Perrin, Perrin. Um, and then the, we get the common like we got it was explained to us. We get like the common French response, which is you Americans are going to do whatever the hell you want to do anyway. So what do I, what do you care whether or not I tell you how to pronounce it correctly or not? <laughs> right. Um, this is an interesting cat because in the, in the sense of um, they did this last year, no matter, I mean, no matter what anybody says, Brad Underwood seems to love the mid-year transfers. Um, the, the difference is, is that with like your Jacob Granderson's of, or your Dane Dages of the world, um, Zach can actually play starting right now um and so uh it's you're talking about somebody who you know led France to a six in one record in the FIBA under 18 worlds over in Turkey um it's why Jeff Alexander had to spend what was it almost like a week and a half in Turkey and as somebody who is half Greek on his mother's side you none nobody in my on that side of the family wants to spend one day in Turkey trust me so like for Jeff to have to spend a week and a half God help God bless him. Um, I have to do that. Mike, my, my Greek, my Greek family would just absolutely die <laughs> if I said anything nice about the Turkish people. Um, I have nothing against the Turkish people. <laughs> Let me be very clear about that.
0: Um the first time a sports show's ever gotten in trouble for anti-Turk. right, exactly. But I'd rather Thanks, be Matt. the graces of
1: my family <laughs> than any other like friends or like any fans or whatever. Um, anyway, like he he was averaging like 18 a game. He had like eight rebounds a game. He was playing with his own, you know. Age group, and that's what you're supposed to do is dominate if you want somebody like Illinois to recruit you from that far away, um, and all across the globe. He did that, he was able to sign. There are specific reasons in which why he had to go to Sunrise Christian Academy over in, I think it was Kansas, um, to uh um get that taken care of. Um, and then he's he's he has he has arisen his he his he's now here after the first semester at Illinois is over and his first semester at that prep school is over um, in order to get here. And I, he can be, I mean, I, I imagine he'll travel with the team to the bragging rights game on Thursday night. I don't know that, but it's possible. And he could be on the active roster. Um, and so I don't imagine that's going to, he's going to get some PT in the bragging rights game, but like, that's on the table um, because that's what makes him different than Jacob Granderson or a Dane danger is that Brad knew that they weren't going to play and he'd actually kind of prefer it that way. But I think this is going to be a new challenge for this coaching staff and Underwood specifically in order to see how they can maybe intertwine him into this rotation right now that, that really has some depth issues if, and when a Coleman Hawkins or a Dane danger or um, you know, anybody else in that front court, gets into any kind of foul trouble right now. And I think that when that happens, I think that they're looking for somebody like Zachary Perrin to maybe give him five to eight minutes when he's of the kind of shape that Fletch says, okay, yeah, he's good to go. And when he is able to get up to speed um, in terms of, um, of you know, basketball on the floor with the guys that have already been there for, you know, several months playing at the style that Brad Underwood and this, this coaching staff want to play at. So that's kind of the long and the short of it. I don't know what his role is going to be going forward after Christmas with this basketball team, but I do know that um, they're going to have to figure out a way to intertwine him somehow, some way into this roster and probably into this rotation, even after Luke Goody gets back off this foot injury. Um, because I think they just have a depth issue if, and when they get into foul trouble with a Coleman Hawkins at the five and a Dame danger behind him at the five.
0: Yeah. And, and we know with, with, the big ten referees, there's gonna be games where Damien you were gonna get a ref dig they, in there somewhere, else, some way, Mike. They category. both <laughs> have yeah, they both have uh they'll both be in foul trouble some game in the first half. And that's when having Luke Goody back, uh having Zachary around and and Ty Rogers all three may be very valuable in those nights. Um, and of course, from a Christmas time standpoint, I do want to tell everybody that remember this, this is the real saying. um every time a referee makes a bad call, an angel gets its wings. So, um
1: I there's was just a lot of... to envision, I was just trying to envision somebody getting like my coverage as a Christmas gift. so um <laughs> you know, you're welcome, like uh, yeah you, you yeah. know like like, Merry Christmas, you're welcome. i, yeah. I, I i'm 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 part of your life now, yeah exactly,
0: exactly. well. Let's not focus on that too much. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. But, but, you know, he he gives the coaches options, whether he'll be able to play a lot this year, um, we'll see. Personally, I think on film and the fact that he's competed well against guys older than him uh, bodes well, but he has not probably run into the athleticism night out and night in that you would run into – at the top levels of college basketball. Um, But again, you know, it's, it's, you know, this, this, this kid's used to some big, big stages himself. Um, And it, you got to have some talented guys around to give them the chance to see what they can do. And that's what um, Jeff Alexander and Brad Underwood did with this guy. And of course, Chester Frazier and Tim Anderson as well. They keep bringing the talent in, and then you let the guys play and see what they can do. So
1: I tend to wonder, just from a big-picture standpoint with Zach, is that um, does this open up a market to Illinois later on? Because as we know, Mike, and going back to when you were a student at Illinois, um, the international student component at the University of Illinois has always been a big deal, um, whether or not they play sports or not. Um, And it's always been a big deal – for how international students no matter what sport they play tend to feel comfortable very very soon at the university of illinois um I'm, I'm always kind of wondering if like this opens up a market for illinois not only just like in france but like for european players to be able to feel like they can go over there and have success and, and feel like they can coach correctly and get them to the next level um whatever that they feel like that next level is and so I, I sometimes wonder if if you're Jeff Alexander or if you're Brad Underwood, whether I mean, you, you certainly want Zach to be a high contributor at the U of I before his career is over. There's no doubt about that. But is this a back I mean, is this a backdoor play to, you know, a, a marketplace that you haven't been able to get into lately? And and I, I I'd have to think that the answer to that is yes, there's there have been a plenty of different programs. Throughout, you know, the recent history of college basketball that have gone to the to the European and the overseas market, um, and made it. I don't want to say their bread and butter, but almost as such. And I think that if Illinois can get into that marketplace, then that just adds to the you know, plethora of players that they can go after in a, in a, in, a, in terms of a recruiting class.
0: Yeah, and I and I do think you'll see um, success breeds success, and mm-hmm. um, like you know, I guess Brad Underwood is, is very detail oriented and he may have an opportunity there that he's working on in the long run that will help the Illinois basketball and wouldn't surprise me. Obviously the key is the first step is that, uh, let's get him familiarized with what Illinois does and then see how well he plays when he's, when he's there, you know, it takes, takes some time. So I would say be patient, but, you know, you're talking to a kid who's played basketball at a high level. Um, there's a chance he could be a decent uh, contributor this year. We just have to see. You know, he looks good on film, and he's he's got a very good game and, and has a lot of things going for him. But, you know, now you're a 18-year-old in a new country, in a new school, speaking a language that maybe you're not as good at. Um, learning basketball that you uh, you know different things that you haven't learned before there's a lot to 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 put up here and I don't know that you know again, let's see what he can do but let's let's be cautiously optimistic and and when he if he struggles, um, you know he's still a kid with all those different things I would not want to go to France and have to learn a language, go to school with all the textbooks written in a different language and, you know, try to excel at a sport that I haven't, you know, had a chance to practice very much at either, you know, with that team. So um, there's a huge potential with him and there's also a need for fans to be patient. Um, So with that, we're going to kind of wrap up. We've hit a lot of different subjects tonight, Brett Bielema's contract, um, you know, the little bit of the quarterback situation and a little bit on Zach Perrin uh pronunciation to be pronunciation to be um whatever you want it to later. be, apparently, from yeah, what I yep. heard on
1: th- on Tuesday afternoon. Yeah, yeah.
0: We'll be we'll finalize that at some point in time. Um and, and I guess ultimately again, you know, uh you can hear us on Alina Guys Sports Spectacular every weekend. Go to align guys.com, hit the radio button or the radio word. And it'll take you to a list of all the stations that have us. I think there's about 30 signals now. And um, go ahead and click on the town nearest you or go ahead and look at the town nearest you. Figure out if it's Friday or Saturday and what time we're on. Please listen to us. And um, if you get an opportunity, thank the station via phone or uh, text or uh, email to let them know that you're uh, listening. And we would love to have more listeners on the air. We get a lot of feedback from the ones who do listen. But anytime you can encourage an Illini fan to enjoy the only statewide syndicated Illinois broadcast uh, of uh, talk sports, that'd be fantastic. And, of course, uh, we have our other podcast, Sturdy for 30, uh, and Keds Recruiting Roundup that you can listen to. Or, obviously, this one, Eye on the Illini we'd ask you just to subscribe to us and um, stay up with all the action. And, of course, get on the website because all the stuff that we can't really talk about is back there on the message boards, and it's a lot of fun. So with that, um, we will have podcasts. We'll probably have something on uh, to talk about some of the basics of signing day. We've also got the um, uh, Missouri game coming up this week. And then there'll be a little bit of a break for Christmas. Um, and, and of course, then we face the uh, juggernaut that is called Bethune-Cookman. And um, then right around the corner is the Big Ten season. So it doesn't stop, folks. It's just going to keep rolling. And uh, we have January 2nd, of course, the ReliaQuest Bowl against Mississippi State. So there's a lot of reasons to pay attention. Thank you so much for being on board here. And of course, thanks to Matt Stevens for coming on this evening. With that, I'm Mike Kegley, and we are going to leave you with the one phrase that we live by, go Illini.